This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Cosmo DiNardo? His family was wealthy, they owned several businesses, including a concrete company, and they had a 90-acre farm just outside of New Hope, Pennsylvania. Growing up, DiNardo did well in school. He wanted to be an orthodontist. He also played football and had a number of head injuries. Eventually, he stopped due to those injuries. In 2015, DiNardo had a bad breakup with his girlfriend and felt disappointment over missing out on his dream of being a Navy SEAL. I guess he switched from orthodontist to elite combat operator. Maybe he wanted to do both. I could picture the situation where he encounters a hostage who says, are you here to rescue me? And he says, in a manner of speaking, I'm going to rescue you from crooked teeth. Does that count? In 2016, Donardo was diagnosed with major depressive disorder. In May of that year, while riding an ATV on his family's farm, he was involved in a collision. He was stuck under the ATV for hours. He had suffered extensive head injuries and other injuries, like he had a broken leg. After the collision, DiNardo started using synthetic marijuana, often referred to on the street as K2. DiNardo's behavior was becoming increasingly erratic and disturbing. On several occasions, he was violent. He would not eat food that his mother had prepared because he thought she was trying to poison him. During an incident in July of 2016, DiNardo was riding in a vehicle with his mother. They were on the way to what was supposed to be a voluntary admission to the hospital. DiNardo struck his mother in the face and bit her arm. He exited the vehicle. He was still on crutches from the ATV collision at this point. He attempted to get in a woman's car, saying that he was in the process of escaping a kidnapping. The police transported him to a hospital. DiNardo said that his mother was a Russian spy and there was a tracking device in his cast. DiNardo was diagnosed with schizophrenia schizoaffective disorder, and bipolar disorder, a curious diagnostic profile that I will talk about in the analysis. Donardo was prescribed a number of antipsychotic medications. He had been committed to a mental health facility three times in a five-month period in 2016. He continued to be involved in violent incidents. He attacked a female technician by throwing a wheelchair at her. He struck a nurse several times. He showed up at an event at his old high school and was disorderly. They removed him. He was also banned from a college he had attended for some time due to verbal altercations on the campus. Donardo had difficulty with his father as well. He used a baseball bat to attack a vehicle owned by his father's mistress, and he directly attacked his father with a brick at one point. In early 2017, Donardo was pulled over in his vehicle by the police after reports came in that he was seen entering the car carrying a shotgun. The police found him to be in possession of a Savage Arms 20-gauge shotgun. He was not allowed to possess a firearm because he had been involuntarily committed to a mental hospital on prior occasions. He was charged with possessing a firearm, but the charges were dismissed by a judge because the police had filed faulty paperwork. Donardo started dealing drugs at this point. In early summer of 2017, a mental health clinician who had been treating DiNardo since November of 2016 
allegedly declared that DiNardo's bipolar disorder was in remission. He was just one of 10 clinicians who had treated DiNardo. DiNardo's behavior had cost him his friends. Someone came up with the idea for him to start hanging out with his second cousin, a man named Sean Kratz. They were less than a month apart in age. Kratz was under investigation related to a shooting in Philadelphia that left a man severely injured. Kratz was also the victim of a shooting. There was a drive-by shooting during which he was shot 19 times. The shooting may have been in retaliation for the shooting he allegedly committed. Kratz had been involuntarily committed to a mental hospital at one point for violent tendencies and threats. Kratz had a number of convictions for crimes like burglary, theft, mischief, receiving stolen property, conspiracy, and trespassing. So he might not have been the best person to team up with DiNardo, but I guess DiNardo's friendship options were severely limited, so Kratz seemed like a good option. At this point in the story, DiNardo had been involved in 30 adverse interactions with the police, but had never been convicted of anything but traffic offenses. Now moving to the timeline of the crimes. On July 5, 2017, a college sophomore named Jimmy Patrick was picked up by DiNardo. The purpose of their meeting was so that Patrick could buy four pounds of marijuana for $8,000. DiNardo drove to his family's farm, at which time Patrick admitted he only had $800. DiNardo said he would sell him a shotgun for the $800. As Patrick was getting ready to fire the shotgun, I guess to practice with it, DiNardo shot Patrick with a 22 caliber rifle. DiNardo would then bury his body on his family's farm using a backhoe. Just one day after DiNardo killed Jimmy Patrick, the clinician I talked about before who was treating DiNardo discontinued DiNardo's medications, noting in the progress notes that DiNardo posed no clear risk to self or others. This clinician's actions would become the subject of a lawsuit filed by DiNardo's parents in the future. On July 7, DiNardo picked up a man named Dean Fino Chiaro. The pair would meet up with Kratz at a farm for a marijuana deal. The victim was shot and killed by Kratz. DiNardo also fired shots into the victim's body, but claimed that he was already dead at that point. His body was placed in a metal oil tank, which had been converted into a pork roaster. Also on July 7, DiNardo and Kratz met with two other men, Mark Sturgis and Thomas Mayo, as part of a marijuana deal. Those men had driven out to the farm in a truck. DiNardo shot Sturgis and Mayo as they exited that vehicle. Sturgis was killed, but Mayo was still alive. Out of ammunition, DiNardo drove over Mayo with a backhoe. The bodies were placed in the same metal oil tank as the other victim from that day. DiNardo buried the tank on his family's farm. Missing persons reports were filed on all four victims. On July 9, the police found two of the victims' vehicles, which led them to the DiNardo farm. When they were there, they would find Thomas Mayo's car in a shed. His insulin was in the vehicle, along with the title and the keys. Patrick's phone was traced to the farm. So we see a number of indicators pointing to the same location. A search of the farm would lead to the discovery of three bodies in the metal oil tank on July 13. The bodies had been buried about 12 to 13 feet below the ground. DiNardo initially denied any involvement in the murders. The police refiled the charges that had not been pursued before involving DiNardo's possession of that shotgun. 
Not long after this, they charged him with selling Thomas Mayo's vehicle. Cosmo DiNardo confessed to all four murders eventually. He also confessed to two other murders, which he said occurred in Philadelphia. The police were not able to verify those claims. He told investigators where Patrick's body was buried. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport... Then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done. And that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. DiNardo was charged with four counts of criminal homicide and 14 other charges. Kratz was charged with three counts of criminal homicide and four other charges. DiNardo pleaded guilty and was sentenced to four consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Kratz was offered a plea deal, which would give him 118 years in prison with the possibility of parole after 59 years. He would have been about 83 years old when he was eligible for parole. Kratz turned down the plea deal. In 2019, he was convicted of murder and manslaughter. Later, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, which I guess will dampen the celebration at his 83rd birthday party. Now moving to my analysis. As I mentioned in the background, DiNardo had an extensive history of mental health difficulties. He was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, and then later we see this confusing collection of diagnostic impressions, specifically bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and schizoaffective disorder. Before I explain why this is confusing, I will offer a brief description of these disorders. Bipolar disorder is a major mood disorder which involves manic episodes and often depressive episodes. Manic episodes are periods of time where somebody has symptoms like a flight of ideas, grandiosity, a decreased need for sleep, racing thoughts, and excessive involvement in activities that have a high potential for painful consequences. Depressive episodes are also common, but again, not technically required for a diagnosis of bipolar 1 disorder. 
Depressive episodes are characterized by symptoms like low mood, not finding pleasure in activities that are normally pleasurable, appetite problems, and difficulties with sleep. At the extremes of a major mood episode, psychosis can be observed, like delusions and hallucinations. Schizophrenia is an illness characterized by two or more of the following symptoms. Delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, grossly disorganized or catatonic behavior, and negative symptoms like diminished emotional expression or avolition. One of the symptoms must be delusions or hallucinations. So one of those, at least, is required. Schizoaffective disorder is an illness characterized by major mood episodes like mania or depression and symptoms of schizophrenia. Schizoaffective disorder is about a third as common as schizophrenia. A number of patterns can be observed with schizoaffective disorder, but here's a typical pattern. Here's what we often see in clinical practice. An individual has pronounced persecutory delusions and auditory hallucinations for about two months. So persecutory delusions would be they think somebody's out to get them, out to harm them. At this time, we see the onset of a prominent major mood episode, either manic or depressive. The mood episode resolves, but the psychosis remains. So the psychosis was there before the major mood episode, and it's there after the major mood episode is over. After about a month, the psychotic symptoms disappear as well. Sometime later, the cycle starts all over again. What's important here diagnostically is that the delusions and hallucinations are observed both separate from the major mood episode and concurrent with the major mood episode. So the major mood episode doesn't explain the psychosis. If the psychosis was only seen within mania or depression, then we tend to think of something like bipolar disorder as a potential diagnosis. If somebody only has delusions or hallucinations and they never have mania or depression, we tend to think about schizophrenia as a potential diagnosis. If somebody's diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder, in theory, they should not be diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder at the same time. Again, schizoaffective disorder kind of takes care of those two other disorders. It's like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder put together. Therefore, in the case of Cosmo DiNardo, it's hard to understand how all three diagnoses were assigned. There may be explanations for how this happened other than a clinician who made some type of error. It could be that all three diagnoses were still being considered, and that was noted in the chart, like maybe DiNardo wasn't actually officially diagnosed with all three. There's a lot of confusion around schizophrenia spectrum disorders and major mood disorders. There are a number of people who have a variety of symptoms from both classifications. It's not always easy to figure things out especially over the course of just a few months or a year. Many people who were eventually diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder were incorrectly diagnosed with either schizophrenia or bipolar disorder at some earlier time. I think the case of Cosmo DiNardo really highlights how difficult it is to treat psychosis and major mood symptoms. It does appear as though DiNardo's mother tried to get him help. She made it clear that she felt he was dangerous but it would seem the system kept letting him down and failed his victims. One of the key methods for keeping society and DiNardo safe would be to make sure he did not have weapons. A lawsuit was filed against DiNardo's parents because it was his mother's 357 Magnum that was used in some of the shootings. 
I think something else here that would have helped would have been prosecuting DiNardo for the alleged crimes he committed before the homicides, with the intent of compelling him into mental health treatment, like the possession of a firearm charge. The police messed up the paperwork, and then they're like, well, we're not going to worry about it. What's the worst that could happen? There's a reason DiNardo was not allowed to have a gun. It wasn't like a random nuisance law the police were being asked to enforce. They should have enforced that law and kept him away from firearms. The last item I want to cover, which may speak to the frustrating nature of DiNardo's symptoms, is the theory that his mother had about him being evil and attacked by demons. DiNardo's mother said that her house was built on a Native American burial ground. She heard screams in her basement, which her husband heard as well. DiNardo used to keep religious items with him to sleep at night. He was trying to ward off evil. He said he was under spiritual attack. Voices were telling him to do violent things. DiNardo's mother contacted a priest to perform a spiritual cleansing of the house and to perform an exorcism for any demons that may be hanging around. When the priest came to visit, he did not have a good time at the house. According to DiNardo's mother, the priest had an uneasy feeling, went outside, then vomited. I doubt that response was on a checklist that he had with him. Like he's looking at the checklist and it says, no demons, maybe demons, definitely demons, and vomiting. Now in this case, it does appear as though DiNardo's parents tried to get him both mental health and spiritual help. So it wasn't like they were substituting the spiritual remedy for mental health care. But I have seen many situations where people attribute psychosis to spiritual attacks and ignore mental health aspects. This can be particularly dangerous because the person doesn't get treated. In addition, they can feel all types of guilt, shame, and fear because, well, they believe they're being harassed by demons. That's never a good feeling. It's not encouraging. Demons are rarely associated with good mental health care or pro-social activities in general. I think it's because the environment where the demons exist does not facilitate mental health education. Instead, they take classes like modern haunting techniques, pitchfork management, and post-exorcism repossession strategies. Maybe if the demons would consider adjusting their curriculum, we would see more positive interactions. I guess the lessons would be, don't expect help from demons, and don't expect that attributing mental health problems to demons will solve mental health problems. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.